Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, coming to you almost live. Uh, Actually, not live at all, but okay. <laughs> we used to say that. We used to yeah, say, so no. live it, from .NET Rocks.com. I, I Nothing like live about recorded it. live. Like, wait. As opposed <laughs> to what? Recorded dead? What is yeah, that? We, I <laughs> I, what can I tell you? I got swept up in the excitement of podcasting early on. Before it was podcasting, right? Before it was podcasting. It was just an internet audio talk show. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast and the guys were saying, can you believe we've been podcasting for eight years? I'm like, ah. (laughs) You children. (laughs) (laughs) We don't brag about it that much, but this really might be the longest running podcast that has been monetized. Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, the, 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 there's some NPRs that have been around a long, long time, but... Uh, well, the NPRs weren't podcasting until after we were. They were still on radio. Yeah, they were just doing radio, but their yeah. shows are old. Yeah, the shit, they, that's right. They went back and they... Anyway, um, I, I have an announcement. Okay. Two Keto Dudes is back. Nice. And for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's a podcast I started with Richard Morris... The other Richard. Formerly the CTO of DevExpress. Yes, the other Richard. And uh, it was uh, when I got type 2 diabetes. And uh, I used the low-carb, high-fat diet called the ketogenic diet to reverse my type 2 diabetes and lose a bunch of weight. And then uh, Richard Morris basically said, you know what? Had enough of this for a while. I'm t- We're taking a break. I'm going back to school for a biochemistry degree. And he got it. So, he's taking a break from school now, and we decided, you know, post-pandemic, when most people are vaccinated, you know, we're, we're out and about now, and we're taking a good hard look at ourselves. I know I, I gained some weight over the pandemic time. Join the club, man. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's been hard for everybody. Yeah. So, so, we're basically restarting the podcast with that in mind. Like, you know, we know, we know that, you know, we, people didn't take care of themselves as best they could uh, in the last couple of years. Me yeah, I would argue the other way around. They were taking care of themselves. There were other things besides what, you know, being deeply concerned about what you're eating during a pandemic. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, care I, comes I, I in mean, different forms. I mean, uh, diet-wise, right. So, anyway, that's that's where it is. Go to 2KetoDudes.com. It's the number 2, K-E-T-O Dudes.com. We have an all-new look, and no, we are not opening a diner. It just looks like you are. It looks like we're standing in front of a diner with the two keto dudes neon lights on it. And everybody on Facebook and whatever was like, oh, my God, are they opening a diner? <laughs> no. Well, and I love those like Jetstream style New Jersey diners. I always think they're from Jersey. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Well, most of them were made in, in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. In the yeah, 50s. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, you are doing some smoking, are you not? Yeah, we're finally having like a double vaccinated party. It's like 20 people coming over. And uh, so, three weeks ago, I started making corned beef for the party because that's how long it takes to make corned beef. But this is the week that I converted about half that corned beef into pastrami. By smoking it. Yeah. So, now you you smoke it and there's a couple other steps. I'm doing more Montreal style, so you finish it with steam. But that's just because it slices nice. And so, yeah, Very what's cool. nice about doing the corned beef and pastrami thing, besides the fact that you're going to make some Broadway Danny Roses, is that um, it's all prepared in advance, essentially. So, then it's just slicing meat and toasting buns and, you know, with some coleslaw and you're good. Did you use any sous vide preparation for the corned beef? 
Um, in, the, in this final stage, I am sous vide a couple of the pieces just to go for maximum tenderness. But uh, yeah, and I've seen people that have actually sous vide a piece of corned beef for forty eight hours. But I think wow. it all but disintegrates at that point. Like it's wow. you, you still want a little chew to it, right? No, yeah. I mean, there's tender, and then there's is this meat goo? Like, <laughs> how tender did you want it to be? <laughs> Right. All right. Well, let's get started with a little thing we call Better Know a Framework. Awesome. All right, man. What do you got? So I got this Twitter message, a private message from a guy who wanted me to take a look at this blog post that he wrote. Oh, yeah. And the blog post is why we chose Blazer Wasm for our spa. Hmm. Yeah, and they, I, I basically forwarded on to, um, the Blazer team and they were, they were giving them some support and they got to speak at the ASP.NET Core community stand up and they made a video of that. But anyway, so the, 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 the name of the website or the company is powered4.tv. So powered the number four.tv. And it's the UK's number one video on demand site for independent wrestling content. All right, UK wrestling. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that in and of itself is kind of funny. That's awesome because because UK people are so polite, you know. Yes, and wrestling is but the they last have wrestlers. Th- well, they do, but that's the last thing I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, no, that's, a, that's when you just read the punchline. UK wrestlers. Right. right. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't make mean to make fun of them. Please don't come after me. They're, they're, they're um, very nice. I'm sure. So their first framework was actually Next.js, mm-hmm. which is built on top of React. Um, and then they tried, you know, maybe we should take a look at Blazor. Right. So basically, you know, the, f- <laughs> the first, uh, it was, they say it was love at first component. <laughs> and uh, they haven't looked back ever since. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a really good blog post, and I, I think now people are coming around to the fact that, you know, Blazor is actually ready for prime time, and Wasm still has a few weird things with yeah. uh, in terms of debugging, but um, I imagine those things will be finished by uh, .NET 6 time. Oh, yeah, and, it, it's and clearly it's growing. I, I think one of the challenges that folks have with Blazor is that it sat as a test project, an experimental project for a long time. Yeah. And and the idea that it's now a product that's just part of the suite and ships with everything else and is regularly updated and maintained uh, is not sunk into everyone yet. Right. But I am actually getting some customers, helping them uh, move their ASP.NET Web Forms applications nice. to Blazor. So that's a really good sign. And you did a better know on a framework. How about that? I know, right? <laughs> well, on a blog post. About blog a post framework. about a framework. Okay. <laughs> it's a better, know, better know a blog post. <laughs> 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 Otherwise known as Carl Google's 10 minutes before the show. Nice. Um, all right. Well, anyway, that's what I've got. Who's talking to us this week, Richard? I uh, grabbed a comment off a of show 1669 from back in January of 2020 in the before times. Where we talked to one Dimitri Allen about uh, XAML tooling. I think that was yeah. his old job. But, uh, you know, cool conversation about just modernizing XAML and, you know, the progression. What's fun about this show is this is before they were, they used the term Maui, right? This is when yeah. it's like, how do, what is it? How do we put together WPF, UWP, Xamarin Forbes? Like, what's that going to look like? 
Right. Although he does mention in that show this idea of hot reload. He just mentioned it just a little bit. Yeah, just a little mention. A little mention. And Matt Thornton has this comment. It's from a couple of years ago where he says, uh, this is a fun show. I remember when I first moved from Fortran to C++. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Old, old guy. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that memory management or a lack of it was the first thing that tripped me up over and over again. Who didn't release their pointers? You're a bad man. Right. And then when I moved to .NET and on day one, there was no more memory management. And then ultimately started doing some SharePoint dev. Okay, now you're in the dark places. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I had to do memory management again. Well, sort of. Some of the objects were not self-disposing and things sometimes got wrapped up in a using. And yeah, okay, yeah. And the SharePoint timer service was still scheduled to recycle itself. That's one way to clear memory which I assume is, yeah, it still has to do with memory issues. Mm. It was interesting to hear Dimitri describe how he got good at this stuff, which ultimately boiled down to experience by doing. So you wonder whether this is the sort of skill that might ultimately die out given the quality of modern tooling, the decreased cost of computing, and the general shift to software as a service, where most developers will likely be thinking it's Azure now and performance is Microsoft's problem. Funny, because in my experience with Azure, if you do something that doesn't play nicely, Microsoft just has no issue in brutally killing off your process. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Although generally, rather than kill it off, what they do is charge you more for it. <laughs> I know. So you're going to need more compute for doing something that dumb. <laughs> Don't right. worry. Yeah. Anyway, plenty of good stuff. And thanks for the show. Well, thank you, Matt. Uh, fun comment. And yeah, you know, it's interesting how... We keep trying to put the performance problem onto someone else because they're hard. But in the end, you know, if you were building that product, if you're ultimately responsible for making it and people are complaining it's not fast enough, you have to solve that problem. You know, I do think there's an awful lot of Azure that ha usage that comes down to now we get to blame Microsoft for things. But it doesn't change the fact that you still have to solve the problem. I think in Microsoft's defense, they do a really good job of helping you optimize your costs. Yeah. Um, not only by introducing free things like the free managed certificate, but also, you know, by letting you, hey, you know, you're you're paying for all of these SQL servers that are pre-allocated. Why not try a serverless option? You'll save yeah. a lot of money. Like they they do actually they do help uh, you. Uh, cater to that. But also there is this aspect that performance is now a knob in Azure. Right? That if you're not happy with how fast the whatever is, just turn it up. Yeah. The, the reality, of course, is that doesn't always work. You know, poorly right. running software in the cloud is still poorly running software, just build by the minute. Sure, sure. Uh, so you got to do your work. So, Matt, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebooks because we publish every show there as well. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code By. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet, and we will hot retweet it <laughs> to all of our other listeners. We'll reload your tweet? What are you doing? Where are know. you going? Hot retweet. Hot retweet. <laughs> tweet reload. Right. Well, okay, let's, uh, with that, let's bring on our guest, Dimitri Leyland. And uh, he's a program manager on the .NET team working on products such as .NET MAUI, XAML, and .NET Hot Reload, and XAML Tooling. 
Dimitri is no stranger. He's been on past episodes talking about XAML tooling and even DevOps topics from his past life when he worked on the Azure DevOps team, as witnessed by the message that uh, Richard just read. Welcome back, Dimitri. Hey, 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 guys. You know, I I don't know if people realize, uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners don't realize that I'm sitting here listening to you folks making me laugh (laughs) just nonstop. I'm just on mute (laughs) the whole time. It's not like you bring me in after the intro. I'm actually there. So it's always a great time and it's lovely to speak to both of you. Thank you for having me on. Is, Is it just a reminder of how goofy we actually are? Is that what this is? Hey, Goofy is good. We we need more Goofy. Please, more Goofy. Less Pluto, more Goofy. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, we're talking today about Hot Reload. Um, so, that's been in the works for quite a while and it's finally out there in Visual Studio and .NET previews. So, yeah. you're the Hot Reload guy. So, maybe we should start with what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, well, I'm really excited to talk about uh, .NET Hot Reload. It's like you said, it's been in the long, long works for a while. I've talked to both of you about it in the past when it was just a glimmer of hope in the future and uh, it's finally arrived. Um, this is, a, is an experience that we are, are trying to build to make developers, you know, .NET developers more productive. We, we really appreciate that, you know, building software is hard. And any time you're spending uh, watching your app rebuild, restart, redeploy is really wasted time uh, that we hope to, well, we can't eliminate completely, but we hope to reduce the need for that as much as possible. So that's where this idea came from. We certainly were you know, inspired by other, other products out there that do hot reload type experiences. And we decided, hey, let's just go ahead and add it to .NET, which is, uh, it turns out, a moment, you know, uh, a huge undertaking right. uh, because .NET has been around for a very long time. It's super complicated, uh, but we we are not afraid of complex projects. So we took this thing on, and a year later, I'm here talking to you about it. So it's it's really awesome. So the whole idea is right that you make it you're running your app and you've got it debugging in Visual Studio, and you make a change to your app, you know UI or code. The goal is for both of those things on all the different platforms, but are in all the different project types. But if you make a change to your code, it will update immediately. You'll see, you'll see that it's changed and you can even, I mean, it's sort of like the edit and continue on steroids, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So let let me kind of visually, as as visual as we can be on a podcast, uh, walk people through what what it feels like to use hot reload. So you basically open up a project that's supported where hot reload is supported and you just run your application and you have to run it in debug mode. Um, now, uh, you don't have to run it under the debugger, but you have to use the debug build. So you can either F5 or control F5 into your application. It's actually something that we weren't sure originally if we were going to get done, but we got it done. So we're excited that control F5 actually works. Uh, originally, this was going to be potentially just a debugger experience mm-hmm. where you had to you know, hit F5 and attach that heavier debugger process. And as we were building it, we realized that a lot of people you know, really wanted us to make it available. You know, We did customer development and they said, hey, please make it available and control F5. Yeah. So we did the work and that means no matter how you start your app from VS, as long as you're in a debug build, hot reload gets injected and it's waiting for you to do your magic. So then you go ahead and you, let's say, navigate to a view that doesn't have something that's right with it. You know, maybe it's not loading some data that you forgot to to change some code to make it load some data. Maybe the visuals are there, but the you know it's, everything's empty. So you go back to your code file and you make the change. And we have a hot reload button. It's currently called 
apply code changes. We're going to re rename it to Hot Reload pretty soon in the next preview. And you press that magical button. It's in your toolbar. It's right next to the Continue button. And as soon as you press it, you're going to have one of two things happen. You're either going to get a dialogue in your face that says, you, the thing you're trying to apply, we cannot apply at runtime. We have limitations. It's not a you know magical technology in that sense. But if you can't apply it, then the code will just patch your running application. There's no need to pause it. There's no need to hit a breakpoint. Once the app is patched, uh, then all you have to do is re-execute the code. So that's the other element of it. You know, There's nothing that we can do to, to re-execute code for you because we don't know when it should execute or if it's right to execute or what the parameters are. So you have to do something in your app to re-trigger the code. The way that I've shown this is... You know, if I have, let's say, buttons for navigation and I load a view and then I navigate off the view and I change the code and then navigate back to the view, then that works, right? Um, in other scenarios, if I have like a timer or something that periodically re-executes a function, that will work as well. As long as it's re-executed, it can't be running. We cannot patch a running Okay, process. so that explains the experience I had that I emailed you about, um, which is I was using it with Blazor and... What I was expecting was you make a change to the markup. I mean, I got the code working. I make a change to the code, and and when I run it, the new code runs. But uh, change to the markup, and uh, I was expecting, you know, when I hit that reload or whatever, for the view to change without me having to refresh the browser. But but you yeah. do have to, like, if you're using the default template, let's say, and you're in the counter page, Move back to the home page and back to the counter page is what you're saying, and you'll see the change. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it, it's it's a bit more complicated. So Blazor is – I love the example you picked. You picked, like, the most complicated ah, example in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, Carl, you should, have, you should have said WPF, and I would have been like, easy answers for you, but you said Blazor. <laughs> so let's, let's go down that okay. rabbit hole. Um, Blazor in the previews when you were testing it, even in the previews that are out, like when we're recording this podcast today, the preview two of, of Visual Studio 22, um, it's not fully baked yet. Like Blazor is something we're still working on. You know, Bla Blazor is a bit different. It's it's like a web web hybrid kind of app. Um, it can run on server side. It can it can run WebAssembly. So there's even like different runtime scenarios there. And on top of it, it has HTML and CSS. Um, we are working really hard to glue all of that together into a good experience and do some auto refreshing and do real time CSS updating. Like all of that is actually something the team is actively working on. Like when we have our weekly meetings, we, we're, we're talking about Blazor all the time. So hopefully all of it will make it in. And the scenario that you, that you had when you emailed me, uh, should be a lot better by the time this product is GA. It's just sort of you tried it too, too early. And we didn't do a great job communicating that it wasn't uh, as ready as... Well, okay. Well, I'm not worried about it. I was just... Uh, yeah, I, I, I know it's all going to be baked soon. We're worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're worried about it every week. We want it to work. Dimitri, what makes Blazor so hard? Um, it's, uh, it's very new. And it has a lot of complexity because there's uh, code behind and mm -hmm. there's HTML and CSS mixed into it. So you have, you know kind of different things behind the scenes that make all of that work. And on top of it, you can run it on, on server or WASM. And WASM is very complicated. Um, the debugger itself has to go through the browser. That's complicated. Every, everything you touch there is complicated. You have razor pages in the mix. You, it's it's really not a, not straightforward, um, but, but it's awesome. People love it. And we are investing heavily to try to give it really the best developer sure. experience we can in 17.0. 
I mean, I really like the idea that you do the hard work and the tooling so that so that the day to day work is easier. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And we we got strong feedback that people want hard reload to be there. It makes their life so much so much better, and we we really. Uh, are doing everything we can to tie it all together, right? Making sure that like you're editing CSS, that should be like magical. It should just change in real time. You're changing code, let's say behind a button. Next time you click that button, that code should re-execute right. the new code that you put in behind it. Um, if you're changing HTML, we, we might or might not have to refresh the page. But, you know, again, some devil, devil in detail work is still ongoing for, for Blazor. Um, but the yeah. good news is, you know, WinForms, console apps, WPF, like lots of stuff is already really, really healthy and, and baked as much as we can be. And uh, Blazor and Maui is where we're still doing a bunch of work uh, at the time this episode's being recorded yeah. to mm. get it all ready. Two of my favorite technologies that actually work together, Blazor and Maui. <laughs> yeah. I'm very yeah. excited about that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy the kind of like, grids we have to build internally with color coded <laughs> symbols and stuff to try to keep track of all of the you know a blazer hybrid app inside of you know maui versus inside of wasm versus on the server side versus a maui app that's a saml app versus you know like there's lots of permutations and uh you know just just getting them all to work and testing them all is really really hard but uh i really give credit to the team we have some amazing people working on this stuff so are there any uh besides blazer and maui are there any application types or uh, project types that hot reload will not work for? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, well, let's start with the positive. Uh, I just want to acknowledge where it okay. works because it's, it works in more places than it doesn't. Um, and I get this question all the time. Like, will it work with my app? Um, and it's a complicated question. What kind of app are you building? What kind of runtime is it using? Um, you can have even in permutations in like WPF. Is it WPF? Is it WPF on framework, on core, on .NET 5 and above, right. on .NET 6? So all of that matters to a degree. Um, but let's just speak very broadly for a second. Like very broadly speaking, how do we load is a Visual Studio experience. And it's built on top of the edit and continue investments we've been making over the last like 15 years or something right. like that, something crazy like that. And the challenge for, for Visual Studio customers has been that that capability has been uh, behind a breakpoint, right? Like you've had to hit a breakpoint. Um, so you had to, you know, you couldn't just like change and run, change and run. You had to hit a breakpoint, change, resume running. You know, it, it just added mm -hmm. a lot more complexity. And on top of it, um, there was all sorts of limitations uh, that, you know, things just we didn't support that people were frustrated by uh, as .NET customers. So we uh, we invested into both sides of that. Like we created this VS experience called Hot Reload that took care of it. You don't need the breakpoint anymore. We just do the magic behind the scenes for you. And on top of it, we're investing between .NET 6 and .NET 7 in the future in making more and more type of scenarios be supported, both in the terms of the types of edits right. that are supported and the places where this technology even works, like Razor Pages, used to be completely not supported. You you couldn't use ENC in a, in a Razor page. You couldn't hit a breakpoint, edit, and resume. And you could definitely not hot reload. We didn't have hot reload, and we're we're adding all of that into Visual Studio so that if you're like using VS 2022 and .NET 6 together, if you're using if you're on the latest, uh, you know, end of this year or next year, whenever you get to it. Um, you will have the broadest experience. But even if you're using something like WPF.NET Framework, you're going to get a basic hot reload wow. experience. Um, now, if you're using, um, you know, .NET 5 and a Razor page, you're, you're not going to get that experience. So there will be some caveats. But if you're 
a WPF, a right. console app, if it's a WinForms app, if it's a WinUI app, uh, if it's an ASP.NET uh, app, but you're not changing Razor, you're just changing code behind, all of that just works. Like it's it's amazing because wow. ENC used to work. And now you are, you are effectively encouraging people to use the, I mean, you are effectively encouraging people to use the latest bits. Like you'll get a better experience on the latest bit. All right. Yeah. Well, that's always true. Right. I mean, you know, it's a, it's the thing like, oh, we, we'd like everything backported. Well, that's, that's dangerous and it's hard and it's expensive yeah. and you definitely don't want us spending all our no. time backporting features. But we, we did do one, one big thing with Hot Reload, which is we acknowledge that a lot of our customers are going to be on .NET Framework or .NET Core, you know, things that right. are older. And we, we're giving them as much as we can. Like, we're, we're actually spending lots of cycles to make that happen. It's not magical or free for us. Um, and on top of it, we're doing all of these .NET 6 slash VS22 investments that make it easy. So that, that's really the holy grail, isn't it? VS22, uh, 2022, and .NET 6. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. We're we're spending a lot of time making sure that's the best possible experience. Um, on top of it, you know, we we are doing something uh, that's again something very new to, for us, which is we're building this hot reload experience not just into Visual Studio 2022, but into the .NET 6 .NET Watch process. So if you're the type of developer that, uh, for whatever reason, you prefer to to use the CLI tools to run run your app in a debug build. Um, you don't have to have VS there to have a very basic hard reload experience that if you change a file, the edit is supported and you save the file to disk, .NET Watch is watching the file and it will try to patch the app. Now, if you do, do a, what we call like a root edit, if you try to change something that's not supported, CLI isn't going to give you the best experience. Um, and in general, like VS is still going to give you, you know, the, the full luxury experience, let's call it that. Um, but we we got strong signals from customers that they wanted hard reload in CLI, in Control F5 and F5. And we typically build debug experiences into just F5, if you kind of think about right. it historically. And we've decided, no, this time, let, let's let's put it everywhere that we can. So it's in three different places. I'm basically using the, the workflow of building, using Blazor with .NET Watch, um, building out the view model first with regular debugging in Visual Studio, building out the view model for a view, and then I'll switch over to .NET Watch. And that allows me to just work on the markup, you know, save the markup, boom, it instantly changes. Um, so that that's pretty good. But you do have to right now, as you say, go back and forth between those two uh, techniques. Yeah, for sure. I mean, .NET, with .NET Watch being, you know, enhanced with Hot Reload, when you do that save in a code file, that's the magic that will happen, yep. right? So if you imagine, imagine like, you know, let's use the the, the out-of-the-box template, you know, the, the button counter in the Blazor app. So uh, the button counter example will work if you if you change the, the look and feel of it and you hit save and then, you know, when .NET Watch is running and then you go to the uh, click behind of that button and you make a change and you hit save, and you go click the button, that'll work as well. So that end-to-end -end workflow is being enabled. Um, now, the beauty of doing it for Visual Studio is just you're going to get a lot more feedback on whether something is supported or not visually. Um, in, in a random code editor, we can't do that for you. But if you're in VS and you do something that's not supported, we can give you underlying squigglies. Um, we can give you like a nicer dialogue that explains what happened. So those kind of visual feedback experiences, the output window is going to have information if you're using the debugger. Uh, so we're really trying to make sure that customers feel like, you know, this is feedback we got from customers. Like they, they want to understand 
what is going on when they attempt to hard reload. What customers tell me the scariest thing as a, as a feature like this is that it does it fails silently, like it fails in a way yeah. or fails in a way that's not predictable. And we are really going to try to make sure in VS you, you get as much feedback as possible that you feel confident in the feature. And uh, let's pause right here for this brief but very important message. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Elastic. Elastic enables the world's leading organizations to put their data to work using the power of search. Whether it's connecting people in teams with content that matters, keeping applications and infrastructure online, or protecting entire digital ecosystems, Elastic's search platform is able to surface relevant results with speed and at scale. Learn how you can get started with Elastic's search platform for free at elastic.co slash dotnet rocks. That's elastic.co slash d-o-t-n-e-t-r-o-c-k-s. You know, mastering any new technology is a challenge we developers welcome. But time is limited, and unfortunately, we can't test everything we read about. For example, have you tried Jamstack, serverless functions, Azure static web apps, or Web Spotlight? The developer advocates at Kentico Content, the headless CMS vendor, help us evaluate not only their CMS, but also the web and app development technologies. They provide sample apps with step-by-step tutorials, all open source and hosted on GitHub. And you know that oftentimes the best help is the working code we can get an inspiration from. Check out their sample that uses static, S-T-A-T-I-Q, the .NET static site generator. Or how about Xamarin Starter? or clean ASP.NET Core MVC and .NET Core Razor Pages sample apps. Visit content.ai slash .NET dash CMS. That's K-O-N-T-E-N-T dot A-I slash D-O-T-N-E-T dash CMS. You'll find the resources there, including a Discord invitation to join their community where you can discuss your project. And we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. That's my friend, Richard Campbell. Howdy. And that's my other friend, Dimitri Leyland from Microsoft. And we're talking about Hot Reload in .NET and uh, in, in Visual Studio. And I'm wondering for .NET apps, what's actually happening behind the scenes? Can we, can we geek out for a bit here to, to, to flesh that out? Oh, yeah. But before that, I just want to say I just I just love the ad we just did about your new diner. <laughs> that was just really amazing. <laughs> or did I miss miss you? Yeah. Oh, uh, you guys are laughing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. You'll be able to get pork rind pancakes and uh, <laughs> uh, pork. Uh, what is it? Pork panko fried chicken and all sorts of things. Sounds amazing. Every manner of eggs. If it has pork in yes. it. It's it's all everything. Your Parmesan comes. tortilla shells. Everything and- comes with bacon. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, th- there was a Twitter thread recently. A bunch of Microsoft people were laughing that we don't have good diners in Seattle. We don't have a good diner, according to at least some of us. And uh, the thought was maybe we should like in- you know invest into a diner together. And I just imagine a bunch of Microsoft geeks building a diner. I don't know. I think we need some outside support. So, Carl, yeah, if you're ever interested, let's you know do it. everything is possible <laughs> given the right amount of money and time. Yeah, <laughs> money. Money Restu- restaurants are such a bicycle shed problem, though, right? Because like, yeah. we all eat, we think we understand restaurants. It's, also, it's just, they're hard. 
also very hard. Yeah, you cannot forget about ever going on a vacation again if you own a restaurant. Yeah, forget about taking gonna, any yeah. time off. Yeah, it's their yeah. hard work and oh, their tough margins, and yeah, it's not easy. I have friends who have done it, and they're like, "Oh, I'll just hire a manager, and I can sit back and sip my mai tais." No, no, that's not going to happen. That's not how it happens. Yeah, I've known some people who who got into that business, but <laughs> I don't think our our listeners thought geeking out men diner talk. So <laughs> let's talk about how yeah. to how's it work. Um, how does it work? It's a good question, Carl. Um, so behind the scenes, and I've kind of mentioned it before, but let's let's go down the rabbit hole. It's it's really us um, acknowledging existing investments. You know, we've made this thing called editing continue. Lots of people uh, remember remember the kind of experience that is like back from VB six days. Mm-hmm. You know, VB six had edit, editing yeah. continue, and at some point we added it to .dot net. Um, and it's been there for, for 15 years or, or more. And, and the experience is pretty solid in the sense that if you hit a breakpoint, you can make a lot of changes that are supported. You know, not every change you might want, but lots of things were supported historically. Mm-hmm. And you can even change the next execution line, right? You, you can drag the cursor around and you can go back up and try to rerun the code, edit it, go back up and try to rerun and the code. It's, can, it's really You can powerful. add lines of code too. I remember it came to VBNet first. Yeah. And I think I was talking to Paul Vick and Amanda um back you know when that happened when it came out and i was like i was giggling like a little girl i was so happy (laughs) yeah it's an incredible power it's a really great technology yeah Yeah, totally powerful and you know within that experience you know we we have a lot of customers that use it and when we were thinking about how do we bring the hard reload experience to, to to visual studio um, you know, I was having some meetings with, with really smart developers and they said, well, why don't we just reuse the mechanism behind editing continue? There's nothing magical about the user experience. The user experience is just by design a breakpoint and it doesn't have to be a breakpoint. And we had this, this moment where the idea of adding how to reload went from, can we even do it in .NET 6 slash dev 17 timeframe to like, yeah, I think we can. I think we have a lot of great technology. We've got to massage it into the right user experience. Yeah. So behind the scenes, you have this combination of Roslyn, um, the, the runtime and the debugger, right? Working together. Right. Roslyn mm-hmm. is tracking the changes you're making in Visual Studio in real time as you make them. And if you're in the debugger, the debugger is waiting for, for Roslyn to provide a diff. And if uh, the debugger gets a diff, it will send it to the runtime. If the runtime knows how to apply it, the app gets patched. Um, and under ENC, it can even do it under like an active code state. And this was the magic, right? Uh, when you use editing continue today, like let's forget this hard reload thing for a second. So you go into VS and you hit a breakpoint and you start editing code. Um, it's going to patch that code in memory, right? Because it's actually executing. You pause the execution and you're going to go in and you're going to change something. And now we're not really changing the, you know, we have to patch the assembly too, because next time it runs, it should re-execute the same code. Right. But we have to do an even more complex thing. We have to patch a running app. Um, and when we were debating how to build Hot Reload, one of the realizations we had was like, duh, of course, we do both. We patch the, the in-memory process and the on-disk process. And we realized that what we were asking of Hot Reload to do is patch the on-disk process, right? So we, we said, we already have the technology. Um, we have to just do two things. We have to build an experience around it. We have to make it be available in more places like CLI, Controller 5, and we have to make it support more kinds of edits and more kinds of apps, um, which was a lot of work, right? But that's that's where we spend all of our time. Um, some examples of 
really hard work that we've done is people have said, you know, we'd, we'd like to be able to uh, add a using statement. We want to be able to, to change a record, the, the new C-sharp uh, record types. Uh, we want to be able to change us, you know, edit a switch statement. Um, so we, we said, okay, great. Let's build a list of the, the things we, in, in difficulty order of things we can start fixing. And we started fixing those things in .NET 6. So like the type of edits started to grow. And when we do that, we actually benefit both hard reload and ENC because we, we sort of patch the same mechanism. Um, and then on top of it, we said, okay, we have to support this for Blazor WebAssembly and iOS and Android. And there we have the mono runtime. And that's another complexity that, uh, you know, edit and continue runtime capabilities have been there for a long time since framework through core, through .NET 5, through .NET 6, but mono has never had them at all, like mm -hmm. zero, zero capability. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to build that in .NET 6 from scratch. Um, and the first uh, set of supported edits will be method body changes. Um, so you'll be able to do more if you're targeting a .NET 6 uh, app running on, you know, on the .NET Core runtime versus Mono, where you'll be able to do less in .NET 6. But in, you know, in future releases, we'll, we'll start to bring these things closer together. So when you think about the project, it's been, you know, it's about building that experience, making sure that that mono could support a different kind of edits, increasing the things that, that we supported from both a capabilities perspective, but also things like Razor Pages, which were quite difficult, still are quite difficult, but we're, we're investing a lot into making it. You know, I knew Rosalind was a good idea. I just didn't know why. <laughs> now I know why. <laughs> no, no. For many, many reasons. reasons. Rosalind, Rosalind is amazing. Is amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It did, it did open a door for a lot of possibilities, without a doubt. And, and this is certainly one of them. But, you know, we keep hinting at there's things it can do, things it can't do. Like, what's the line? Like, what can't it do? Yeah. So there is a line. Um, and that line will be uh, kind of unrolling some of, the, some of the positive things that I've said. So, again, one of the things that, that Mono will challenge us in the supported edit column um, I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of feedback for things that people would like us to be able to patch in a WASM slash iOS Android scenario that we, again, we will mm -hmm. not be able to do from, from the get-go. Uh, method bodies only go so far. We have some, some restrictions around uh, async awaits and lambdas and generics that are going to drive people probably crazy a little bit. Uh, and we know, <laughs> uh, but they're hard problems to solve. And the way we're treating mm -hmm. the .NET 6 release is laying the foundation, right? So we're, this, this stuff wasn't even there. In .NET 5, yeah. uh, in .NET 6, it will be there. In .NET 7, we, we will hopefully make it better, support all of those type of edits, and do some cleanup of just like making sure that this grid of scenarios versus capabilities is all green. And by that, I mean, uh, I'll give you a concrete example. So .NET MAUI uh, will be one of the workloads that will not support CLI or Control F5 at GA released this year. Um, but, oh. but other workloads will. And we'd like to make sure that all workloads support CLI and Control F5, but we just, you know, we had to put some things below the cut line for for resourcing and practical reasons. Yeah, or you'll never ship. Example. But it'll still work. Yeah, it'll we still ship. work in debug mode though, and that's really where most people are yes. going to be, right? Yes, and that, that's how we made yeah, the decision, perfect. right? Like those three things were expensive. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really cool. I can't. I mean, wait. I also debate what are the things you'll be you should be editing to continue. Like a lot of the times, I'm looking at you're doing UI tweaks, like you're just trying to f tweak a workflow, get it right, and and those seem like stuff that would be easy to to do hot reload on. 
where, I mean, if you're really, you know, adding a class or doing something structural to your app, are you, should you be doing that? You know what? Reload. That sounds like stop, rethink, recode, hit F5 again. Well, well, Richard, I'm going to challenge you there. I think you should be able to do it. I'm not saying that uh, everything you sh- you should you know you can do you should do right. That's the that's the magic word. You still have to kind of think about what what the right thing is. But I, I don't want a a customer like let, let's let's take a step back and think about Dimitri's imaginary ideal world. Is there a sound effect you can insert here? Like Dimitri's ideal world. There, there you go. I love it. So in my ideal world, a customer should be able to go into something like a getting started guide, hit a five and do everything. Yeah. Like to get through that getting started guide. To me, that would be amazing. Um, and it hits all sorts of limitations that today we can't do. You can't add a new file. We don't support that. Um, you can't change your, your NuGet package references. You know, there's, there's all sorts of things that even at their architectural kind of level, they're going to they're gonna cause you problems. And then mm-hmm. there might be certain type of edits that you, we don't support that will prevent you from getting all the way through. Now, with this release, there's going to be a bunch of stuff you could do all of a sudden. Um, the value of this feature is, is great. Like, even I've already used it. Even our own dev team building the feature have already used the feature to make their lives better internally at Microsoft. Right. So the inception moment has already happened. Um, but but we're still far away from the ideal world. Now, w- will I get there? Do customers want us to focus on that? That'll take time for us to do customer development into next year to figure out. Um, but we think that at least like in this release, we're adding concrete value. Uh, there's customers out there that have um, restart times, rebuild restart times of their client apps that are five plus minute range. Like imagine, yeah, yeah. imagine that. Like if a lot of us working on smaller projects, we don't we don't appreciate like an enterprise app from from X years ago, or a project that's super large and complex that involves wrestlers. Um, <laughs> that you know, like <laughs> so we we have all sorts of customers that have both old and new projects that are just very large and complicated. So every time we, we, we save you a restart, we add value. And if we don't save you every restart. It's minutes of time, right? I mean, that's the, what you're talking about is like every restart is minutes, not seconds, minutes, minutes of time. Go make another cup of espresso, Zoiner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> well, I just think about, you know, you're pursuing a debugging thread, right? Like you're literally following sort of instinctual what's going wrong here and that, that's a very tenuous thing. Like, you're just trying to hang on to it. So, every delay that distracts makes it harder to follow that. Right. Like if you can let me stay in the moment and follow that intuition to find that bug, that's not just the saving time of reloading, but the saving time of debugging. Like, that can be a lot of time. So, I have a related question for you, Demi, and that is... If I, I noticed that there are some times in Visual Studio and edit and continue is enabled and native edit and continue and all that stuff, all the checkboxes are checked, but there are some times when um, Visual Studio says, you know, you've changed it and you now have to either stop debugging or run it again or reload it. Is, is there a particular situation in which that happens? Yeah, it's basically whenever you do what, what again, would we call a root edit? Um, and somebody was joking me, me on Twitter that that root edit sounds very rude as a message. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, I hear you, but it's it's how we it's how we call it. Um, it's this notion that you change something that Roslyn doesn't know how to make a diff for, uh, you know, because we we didn't build it to do support it. So one example is around generics. Another one is around lambdas. Uh, there's all sorts of code changes that you can make there that will 
try to produce the kind of IL changes that Roslyn does not yet know how to create a proper diff for. Um, and sometimes uh, it's async because of state machines. Mm. Like there's all sorts of you know magic behind the scenes that happens of tracking state machines, or in some cases not tracking state machines because we've never right. had to. And you know now it's it's like super complicated. Like it's it's a principal dev for for three months, kind of complicated, and we don't know if if we're solving it the right way when it's that hard. Um, because a lot of times, like what what we're worried about is creating spaghetti code right. as well. Like we don't want to create behind the scenes magic that then doesn't always work reliably we want to create solutions that are mm -hmm. that are reliable so we're going to give you that rooted edit dialogue until we, we can figure out a way how to make it work every time in a predictable yeah, it makes fashion. sense because i do everything async pretty much whenever yeah. whenever i can and i also do a lot of links so that makes a lot of sense you change a link query for example to return you know x dot whatever instead of x dot the other and try to back it up, back up the code point and run it again. And eh, can't do that. Yeah, well, and there's a, there is a conversation in here about compiler theory, right? Of, about being able to contain an, an instantiation like a Lambda from a, from a link query and being able to swap that in memory. Like there's going, and I, and I, and I know and have met some of the personalities and you know, I know you, we all know these folks <laughs> yeah. that are going to love that problem, yep. that are going to gnaw on that oh, yeah. problem and maybe crack it one day. And, you know, later versions of hot reload, there'll be new voodoo. But I'm also thoroughly thinking in yeah. terms of now that you're going to put hot reload in the box, every new feature in .NET going forward is going to have hot reload in mind. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's it's actually one of the big mind, mind shifts we're trying to do in the team. Um, again, like it's like 10 teams working on this just to give you a sense of complexity. Mm -hmm. wow. And one of them is the compiler team and one of them is the language team, you know. So we're, we're talking to all of them to make sure that, yes, going forward, we, we put a lot more, um, you know, integration from the start and on new language features, on, you know, any kind of changes we're making to C Sharp or .NET that has an effect here. Uh, we're we're going to be considering how to reload as a first class experience, and ENC will benefit. And like my again, going back to my dreamy world, like I I want customers to have a really great experience, no matter what they're trying to do. If they hit a breakpoint, they should have a lot of edits that we support. If they want to just hot patch the running app, we should support that. If we if they want to change CSS or XAML, we 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 should and we do support those scenarios. So the idea is that again, you should you should not have to get out of debug until you want to, right. as opposed to just by the fact that you've made some code changes, which again, today, um, you know, I, I mean, I've heard some really bad stories about people being so frustrated by their inner dev loop that they just yeah. want to quit their jobs. You know, like that's, that's what we're trying to fight against. We want your inner loop to be better and your app's size and complexity should not determine how miserable you are. So is there any love for uh, C++ in this new world? Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll admit to the audience, I told you to ask me that. So thank you, Carl. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> that's what makes me a pro. <laughs> that's what makes me a pro. I was like, mention, I know it's .NET rocks. I know it's not C++ rocks, but I really wanted to mention it. And if you wouldn't we have, have a soft me, spot in our heart for C++ because we remember the pain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and those developers do, do amazing yeah, stuff they do. and they work hard. Um, and we want to make their lives better. So this, I'll tell you a fun, fun story here. So we were having a meeting, um, a, you know, with like the debugger team and Roslyn. It was like 25 people in the room. And one of the debugger devs uh, told me, just like in passing, 
oh yeah, this kind of works for C++ as well. And I was like, what, what did you just say? Whoa, what? Because we weren't targeting <laughs> C++. I was like, I was like what? What do, you, what do you mean? So I got on the phone with her. Uh, I was like, can we, can we chat real quick? I'll get on Teams. So we got on, on a video call. Like, hey, how's it going? What, what did you mean? And she tells me, well, when you think about it, Dimitri, this is something that, you know, E, e and C is something both .NET and C++ support. It's very different implementations behind the mm-hmm. scenes. It's not like one code base. The debugger team where she sits, um, is the team that orchestrates all of that end-to-end. Right. And for, for .NET, we had to add this new experience of patching a running running app right. because the .NET implementation only supported patching an app when it was at the breakpoint. And this is where the, the magic happened. She's like, but C++, we never did that. We actually patched the running app. Like, we, we have the API. So you're obviously talking that. about native C++, not managed C++. Native yeah. C++. Because managed yes. C++ wow. exactly. is so no different idea, from C Sharp in terms of the .NET framework. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, we basically said, hey, we can actually patch a native C++ app already. And we hooked it into the button, and it worked. And, uh, you know, there's still a, a lot of investigation and testing and we we said okay but let's put it into this preview so the dev 17 preview 2 um, if you open a native c++ app and you press that magic button at the top after making a code change we will patch your app mm-hmm. in many cases so so it's going to be wow. interesting to see how that develops um it's uh, it's a bunch of there, there's an email thread that i'm, I'm behind that has uh, the C++ team excitingly debating all the scenarios where it will or won't work because of code optimization and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, there's complexity there. Um, but we think we can, again, add value in many situations to customers. And we really hope that this .NET hard reload feature will also be a C++ hard reload feature. And we're Welcome to the first right. episode of C++ Rocks. Nice. <laughs> but it <laughs> also, it, it may, and it totally makes sense that she was on the debugger team because they have that view of all of these yes. different languages and all these different compilers and how you pass messages between them and understand what's going on. So it, it totally makes sense to me. That's the person that would see that because they're, they're literally in the right seat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in these meetings with like the runtime teams and the project system team and the debugger team. And they, they know things that I can't even imagine. <laughs> and it's, it's really wonderful to work with these folks and uh, get them in, you know, like every, every project where humans are involved uh, is is better when the humans involved believe in the project. Sure, uh, you know I think it's kind of important. And but you're, you're also implying there are some projects with no humans involved, Dimitri. What are you guys <laughs> doing by there? Oh, oh, let's oh not talk God. about that. That's above my pay grade. <laughs> but but <laughs> the robots are coming. Uh, they definitely are coming eventually. Maybe maybe not in our lifetime. Um, but but yeah, I mean, with, with the human projects, you know, it's it's super important. And I was worried about it when I was starting this this project as a PM. You're you're hoping everyone goes along with you on a ride. And uh, over time, we we got buy-in from the team because it is a good project. You know, because it really is technology that will you know make a lot of customers' lives better in in many situations and over time in more and more situations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that new developers like coming out of college who have experience with other frameworks are used to. And uh, again, we're, we're behind this thing. We're going to go build as much of it as we can in this and ne- the next release. And we, I really hope people try it. You know, like people still ask me over and over, great, when can I try it? I'm like, you can, you can try it already. It's, it's out there, <laughs> literally. Yeah. There's no feature flag to turn on. Just go install VS 2022 and uh, go, go test it with your app. Let me know how it works. It should work. Yeah, very good. 
Yeah, no, and, and and you guys take that the feedback very seriously too. So uh, not only going to have some fun trying it, but uh, you're going to make it better in the process. Oh yeah, yeah. Feedback is critical. Hit that VS feedback button. Find me on Twitter. You know, whatever whatever way you want to give us feedback, we will take it. And uh, we we certainly you know drive everything we're doing to get here. But through feedback, we would not have started this project if our customer development showed that we were on the wrong path. So when we we made all these kind of internal architectural realizations, um, a bunch of us went and did customer development. I sat through many phone interviews with amazing folks telling us where their pain points were and what what things they were hoping to do in the future that were easier. And uh, we, we figured out that customers agreed with us. And that's the only reason we, we started this this journey. We would not have burdened you know, 10 teams if we didn't have customers behind us. So we, we thank all those folks that spent hours and hours with us. So Visual Studio 2022 is uh, available now in preview. And, and I assume that like every other version of Visual Studio and .NET, you can run it side by side with what you already have working without yeah. uh, without cross contamination. Yeah. Yes. That's great. Any last minute uh, words of wisdom or uh, things you want to talk about that we haven't covered, Dimitri? No, I, I really think we did a great job here. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, the only thing I'll always say at the end, which is to our customers, please let us know what's working, what's not working. Don't assume we know. And uh, we, we thank you all for being our community. Excellent. Thanks, Dimitri, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.